Amen. So Galatians chapter 5, we are coming up to the end of the flesh. Praise the Lord. Um, a lot of times this is definitely a passage where people like to skip over. Um, but where we're at in Galatians, um, we're talking about the, um, the context is, is talking about that people do things in one of two areas. Everything that you do, no matter what you do, is one of two things. It's either a work of your flesh or a work of the Spirit. No matter what you do, even people in church come on now, do works of the flesh. I heard a pastor say, you know, it's, he, was, uh, he wasn't rebuking his, his choir, but he was using them as an example. He said, it's not that you sing that note on key, but why you sing that note on key that determines whether it's a work of the flesh or the spirit. You with me? So, you know, I can't sing on key anyway, so I'm already out of that one. But, but choir members is what he was saying was it's not that they're on key but why they're on key some people are on key to look good some people are on key to uh put in their time so they can get a promotion and then look good but some people are on key just because they want to worship god and glorify god and so on the outside all it looks like is it's the same thing it looks like 15 people on key but according to the Spirit, some of those things are for naught. How amazing is that? You ever thought about that? You know that some people preach for the flesh, for the glorification of their flesh? Oh, tell me how good I am. Tell me that you love me. Tell, you know, give us the seat, like, you know, give us the seat in the high places, right? Give us the front row seats, seats of adoration. And, and some people will do anything in the church by the flesh. Some people do it according to the Spirit. But what Paul's teaching in Galatians 5 is anything that you do, no matter what it is, it's one of two things. It's either a work of the flesh or a work of the Spirit. Now, if you're not born again, guess what? It's all flesh. But if you're born again, according to the Spirit of God, now you have an opportunity. Now you have this thing going on in you where you're either motivated by your flesh or motivated by your spirit in all times in all things somebody talks bad about you you're going to lash out in the flesh or you're going to lash out in the spirit <laughs> come on <laughs> right depending on where you are and so no matter what you do uh you, you i know that you don't probably believe this but you know people some people come to church but not in the spirit some people come to church to criticize and judge it. Some people come to church just so they can get noticed, so they can get head counted. But some people come to church so that they can interact with the brethren and learn from God. People come to church for different reasons. Amen? Not everybody that walks through the doors of the church has a sincere motive. Come on. Not everybody that gets behind a pulpit has a sincere motive. Right? Didn't Jesus say that you'll know them by their words? No, he didn't say that, did he? <laughs> he said you'll know them by their fruits, not by their words. Because you're going to get some, some speaker that speaks smooth-talking words and that sound good and sound right, but you will not know a false teacher, Matthew chapter 7 for reference. You will not know a, a false teacher by their words. You're going to know them by their fruit. 
their fruit. So what kind of fruit are we talking about? Well, we're going to get a little bit into that tonight, but I'll just give you a summation of it. The fruit would be in uh, direct correlation to the word of God. The fruit will not be in opposition to the word of God. Okay? That's how you know whether somebody's of God or not. Did they steal money from the church? That's the wrong fruit. Did they leave their wife for the organ player? Wrong fruit. Right? Okay. So you know somebody by their fruit, not by their words, because how many of you know that Satan has those smooth-talking words? Look at the Garden of Eden. And I know I had not got even in the verse yet, but I'm going to get there. Look in, in, in Genesis chapter 3. Remember whenever the, uh, the serpent deceived Eve? He didn't say, I'm about to deceive you. Better watch out. He said, all he said was, hath God said? And so he was just trying to, it, you know, it, I know that that's what you think that he said, but maybe it was said like this. He just presents it just a little bit. It's not exactly like it says in the Bible, but it's close. That's, that's his M-O, modus operandi. That's his mode of operating. I know it's not exactly like the Bible says, but it's almost. Hath God said? You can eat it, right? So... Surely you won't die. But God said in the day that you eat it, surely you will die. And how did they die? They died spiritually. They died spiritually, and it set in motion physical death. Set in motion physical death. And so what I want you to see in that is that a work of the flesh can look and have an appearance of godly, but it's just a little bit off. Well, what we're seeing in, in this passage is the end of those things, okay? We're seeing the end of those things. Um, the flesh at its um, fullest. Watch, watch this. When you're talking about a work of the, of the flesh or the spirit in its infancy, it'll start out on the platform in the choir. One in the spirit, one in the flesh, both singing on the same note. But if you continue in the flesh, it will manifest how? One of these areas. You see, you, if you, hold on. I know that this is the next chapter, but if you sow to the flesh, where are you going to reap from? So if you go up there and you do a work in the flesh, guess what? You're going to reap it. And the more you go down that road, the further you're going to get away from the spirit. And so what you're seeing in Galatians 5 is the harvest. You're seeing the harvest here. I mean, you know, how many of you know that nobody becomes a drunk overnight? First time anybody tasted alcohol, everybody hated it. Same thing with coffee. You didn't like coffee the first time you tasted it. Well, that's how it is, and that's how sin is. It's, it's a gradual fading of, of, of your morals and your standards according to God. It's a, it's a gradual lowering of your standards. Now, I'm here to tell you tonight, first off, where our standards, we cannot lower our standards according to the Word of God. I don't care if you're going to lower your, you, you know, you... You, you want to argue about you can go watch this movie or that movie? What? Okay, listen, don't lower your standard according to the word of God. Let's just do that, right? 
Let's just hang right there. Now, let's look in Galatians chapter 5. In beginning in verse number 18. Well, let's look at verse 17 just so, well... Okay, let's, let's start with 16, but we're just going to read all the way through, and then we're going we're gonna to put a button on this. It says, This I say then, verse 16, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That right there lets you know that the Spirit is stronger than the flesh. And if you're struggling in the flesh, it's because you're not walking in the Spirit. That's it. You can't say, well, I just, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. No, the, you can't, but the Spirit can. And if you'll walk in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You, you cannot overcome your flesh, but the Spirit of God, if you're born again, in you can. Okay, thank you. You can't overcome your own flesh. You can't stop yourself from lying. Have you ever seen somebody try to stop themselves from doing something evil but not in the spirit? All, that's, all that is is curbing your bad manners or curbing your what they call vices. It's like if you wanted to quit smoking and you just tie your hand behind your back, but your heart still wants to smoke. Right? Or if you're an alcoholic, you say, well, I'm not going to go to the liquor store, but, then you, but you still want to go. It's you see, your flesh can only go so far. It's the Spirit of God that can change everything. And if, and if you're not where you want to be yet, just keep praying. And God will take you, you know, you'll get there. Just keep praying. God will remove those things in your life. The closer you get to God, the more those things will fade away. You can't get closer to God and keep the charade up. It will melt away. So the closer we get to God, the more those things will fade. So my suggestion is keep pursuing God. Keep pursuing God. Become a worshiper of God not only on Sunday at 1045 and Sunday at 6, but also be a worshiper of God every moment of your life. I would turn off the radio unless it's worship. That's my suggestion. You want to get closer to God? Worship him. Get closer. Get in his presence. What good is country music going to do you on the day of judgment? I miss my dog and my wife and my refrigerator, and I miss my... Don't we all miss stuff? But that don't help me. What helps me is drawing nigh to God. If I draw nigh to God, he draws nigh to me. Amen? And the word says that in the presence of the Lord is fullness of what? Not a full wallet, not a full belly, fullness of joy. So if, 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 if that's what I desire, I'm going to go get closer to God. And so, you know, struggle in the flesh and the spirit, you know, understand the spirit is stronger than the flesh. If you'll walk in the spirit, you'll start seeing victory in your life in Jesus' name. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. See, they're in opposition, flesh and spirit. So you gotta, you can't ride in the middle. You, you ever, do you ever watch those documentaries about the Civil War? You know those people that used, or the, how about the uh, American Revolution? 
Okay, red coats and, and Americans. Okay, if you ever watch those documentaries, there were people that tried to ride the fence in the middle. You know what happened to them? Their houses got taken over. You can't. Once the battle comes to your front door, you've got to make a choice. There comes a point in time. Now, some people, they tried to ride in the middle. They tried to open up their house to both sides. But at the end of the day, they lost out and lost everything. And, and that's the way it is with the flesh and the spirit. You've got to make those choices. They're at war. You can't ride the middle. You can't, you can't play spiritual on Sunday and walk in the flesh Monday through Saturday. Because I can promise you this, you might fool me, you might fool somebody else, but you're not fooling God and you're not fooling yourself. If you're not walking in victory, all you're doing is faking it. Because God's called you to walk in victory. Victory in Jesus is not just a song. It's a way of life. Come on. Preaching to you? Huh? So... Victory in Jesus is only, it only happens when we're walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. And you can't stay in the middle. Ride the middle, you're going to get hurt. You hurt other people too. Verse 18, if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now here we go. This is where we've been and this is what we're going to uh, nail down tonight. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, once you begin going down the road of the works of the flesh, they will appear. You're not going to be able to cover them. Remember that? You're not going to be able to cover them. You can't hide it. You start walking in the flesh and other than the spirit, things are going to start poking out of you. Right? You're not going to be able to hide it all. Okay. So here's what they are. First ones are awful. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Then you got idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, which we spent two weeks on, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Okay. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, first, let me, um, now, I, I think everybody, just by context sake, you would know what the kingdom of God is, but how many of you remember that Jesus told the Pharisees that the kingdom of God is not with observation? You can't see it. He said the kingdom of God is where? Within you, is what he said, within you. So, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about a spiritual kingdom. A spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God is spiritual because God is. God is spirit, right? Now, the kingdom of heaven is different. The kingdom of heaven is a different thing than the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven is, is, what, we call, is what they would call heaven on earth. That's where God's rule has come to earth and things are going God's way. Okay, that's the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3 that unless a person is born again, he didn't say they won't go to heaven. He said they will not enter into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, that spiritual place. Unless somebody's born again. So the, the works of the flesh that we're talking about, if these things 
are in operation in our life, we really need to listen to this verse. It says that, look what it says. It says in verse 21, it says, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Last part of that verse. So those that do such things. So of all people, we should be avoiding the things that we've been talking about over the past five weeks, six weeks. Now, look at this. We, let's, uh, let's, let's stay in verse number 21. Uh, we talked about envyings, murders, and drunkenness. Now, drunkenness, once again, is um, intoxication, alcohol. Um, you can be, uh, you know, here is where we left it off at, okay? We said, um, if you want to drink a glass of wine or a beer or a shot or whatever, here's, here's the question I would have for you. What, it, you know, what is the blood alcohol content level of being drunk according to God? We don't know. We, 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 we just don't know. We know that in, in the state of Louisiana, the state of Louisiana says that it's .08. If you blow a .08, you're drunk. That's what the state says. How much is that? Is that one drink or two? Well, you know, for me, it's one and a half. For you, it's two. For you, it's one. We don't know. Okay, so that's for the state of Louisiana. But what does God consider intoxicated first? What do you got to blow? What if his is .02? What you going to do? And you just want to have one drink a night or one drink a week, whatever. Well, you look at that verse again. Secondly, alcohol of that day, alcohol of this day, two totally different things. We showed, that's where we ended at last week. It says wine is gathered in the cluster in Isaiah 64. I think it was verse 8. Uh, wine is gathered in the cluster. That means that when you go to the grapes, when you go to pull the grapes, God calls it wine while it's still on the vine. How about them apples, right? Or grapes, how about them grapes? So, you know, what God calls wine and what we call wine is two totally different things. If God called wine grapes on the vine, who are we to say, no, it's actually when it's been fermented for 50 years? Well, yeah, we're smarter than God. I forgot. I forgot we live in 2018. We're smarter than God in America. But what we call something is different than what God calls something. I'm just pointing this out, and we'll leave it alone. I know everybody's starting to sweat and everything. I'm just going to leave it right there, and I'm just going to tell you that one drink of alcohol According to our standards, you have no idea what, that, what God thinks about it. You just don't. You have zero biblical support for that. Now, and secondly, let's, let's flip the script a little bit so that we can see how foolish it is. If the Bible in this verse said, if you eat too much popcorn, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. First question we would all ask is, how much is too much popcorn, right? What if the Bible didn't say? What would be the best thing to do? So, there we go. It's because, look, in America, 
You go to the you go to the movie theater and get a small popcorn. How big is that? I don't recommend going to the movie theater, but look, a small popcorn is huge. What about people in Africa? What do they think is a small popcorn? But if the Bible says don't eat too much popcorn or you shall not inherit the kingdom of God, whose standard are we going by according to how much is too much? If the Bible doesn't explicitly say how much is too much, whose standard do we go by? Safe bet is don't touch popcorn. You, just, you could touch it now and, and play Jeopardy with your soul. So that's, you know, when, when, when the Bible's talking about drunkenness and those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, it's not playing. This is not play. You, you know, you could say, ah, that's foolish. Pastors always getting on that stuff. That's foolishness. Or, or it's not that serious. Okay, I'm just reading the Bible verse. It says, drunkenness, those that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So again, it's not my standard, right? It's not my standard. It's God's standard. But let's not just pick on drunkenness. Look at the whole list. Envy, covetous, idolatry, lasciviousness. I mean, a lot of these are sins that are not visible, to the naked eye. You could be envious, but look pious. How many of you have been in a, in a, now I know it doesn't happen in our church, right? How many of you have been in a church where you know people were burning on the inside, wearing you out? Do you know what I'm talking about? Wearing you out? They would smile on the outside, but they would be cutting you up with their thoughts on the inside, Right? Two-faced, yeah. So what, 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 what about that? Well, same thing. Those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, how much of those kind of bad thoughts is too much? Same thing. Uh, same thing. If we have those kind of thoughts, we need to repent. If, if, if we're cutting people up in our mind but smiling on the outside, we need to repent. This is a serious matter. So I'm not just talking about, you know, alcohol. I'm talking... All of it, all of it. It's convicting to all of us because these things are serious. Now, the last one you probably are not going to be convicted over, but we're going to touch it just because it's there. It's called revelings. Now, how many of you know what a reveling is? Reveling. Take a guess. Partying. Yeah, carousing. Carousing. With alcohol. <laughs> yeah, it's usually there, right? Reveling, um, yeah, all those are, are exactly right. Reveling, um, I'll tell you how to best understand what, what he's talking about here. Think about Mardi Gras. Think about Mardi Gras. That's reveling, okay? When Paul's writing about reveling, he's actually referencing a specific event that takes place there in their time. And they actually were worshiping the same one that goes down the parade routes now, um, a god called Bacchus. Bacchus, um, the same god. In, in that day, before Jesus came, there was an intermediate time. Have you ever heard of the silent time in the Bible between the Old Testament and New Testament? It was a few hundred years. Well, it wasn't silent, okay? There was a, um, 
a time period in it's when the apocrypha was in there but the history of the maccabees is right in the middle the maccabees that's whenever rome uh, was really coming in and crushing the jews and they desecrated the temple they desecrated the altar they desecrated the priest they uh, and that's when they took over completely but what happened was they forced the jews to worship bacchus Bacchus and that this is that same quote-unquote Greek God that they worship during Mardi Gras season same one and they worship it the same way it was uh, it was by drunken carousing singing partying not in your house out in the streets and it was often led by a parade uh, and everybody had lascivious behavior lascivious outward sexual pride behavior which is, you know, look at America today. But this behavior uh, that, that this brought in is a, it, it, what it is is when you, uh, you go to this, you feel like you can do what everybody else is doing and you forget about who you are, where you're from. It's just a time of let, cutting loose, letting loose, right? A... A snippet of this takes place in clubs today where people go to the clubs and they let loose, right? You ever heard that term? Let it fly, let loose, cut loose. You know, forget about everything and and get out there on the dance floor and cut loose. Well, that's a snippet of a, that's reveling. That is carousing, drunkenness, it's doing this partying. And so that's what the Bible's talking about here with this word reveling. Now, how many of you knew that, um, the, the God that they worship in, um, in Mardi Gras is the same one in this reveling. How many of y'all knew that? Bacchus. Okay, Bacchus is, um, y'all remember whenever we talked about the, um, all the uh, false religions? Y'all remember that? And we talked about all those things. Well, Bacchus is actually tied into all that, okay? Um, turn, turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4. Let me show you something over here in 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to talk about revelings for just a minute. But Bacchus, the, the worship of Bacchus is tied to the worship of Baal. Baal, Baal worship. So the worship of Bacchus is tied to the worship of Baal. And what you'll find if you'll do any amount of digging, if you'll you know sharpen your pencil, put on your reading glasses and get into some some, uh, you know, get in the Encyclopedia Britannica on a lot of this stuff. I mean, this has got good information. But if you'll start researching a lot of this kind of stuff, what you'll find is that Baal worship has influenced every single uh, thing that stands opposed to the worship of the one true God. Baal worship has infiltrated all of it. Um, but Bacchus is, is um, it comes from Baal worship. Now, here in 1 Peter chapter 4, look at verse number 1. Verse number 1. <clears throat> Peter says, uh, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now, so what, what Peter's telling us is, 
in order to walk in, now I'm just in order to walk in the spirit you're going to have to you're going to have to walk in the same mindset that Christ had is what he's saying the same mindset you're not going to be able to do it your way if you're going to walk in the spirit you're going to have to you're going to have to think about what Christ ha- had to endure how he came to this earth he was on a mission right remember what he told his parents Whenever they came to look for him, well, when he told Mary and and Joseph, when he told his mom and Joseph, don't you know I must be about my father's business? He was not going to allow anything to derail him from getting to the cross and saying it is finished because he came here for a mission and that was to bring you and redeem you and to reconcile you to God. That was the mission, and he wasn't going to let anything derail him from it. That was his mindset. And here he was, not going out, I just need to relax. Did you ever see Jesus say he needed a vacation? Did you ever see Jesus say he needed to, you know, let loose and, 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 and you know, take something to help him relax? He never said any of that kind of stuff. What you see him doing is going back and getting in God's presence in the mountains and praying and getting filled with the spirit again and then he would go right back out into the community and deal with folks again. Then he'd draw back again and get with God again and and get his spirit, you know, strong again and then he'd go right back out into the world and he'd deal with folks again. Amen? One of my mentors, he said that the the the, the way that we should live, he said, um, think about like this. If, um, if you're... If you have uh, snow white pants and shoes and everything like that, and you go out into the world and the world's full of mud, everywhere you walk, no matter how no matter how gently you walk, you're getting some on you. And that's how life is. You could watch, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out and corrals. I'm just gonna watch Bonanza. You can gently walk through life, but just breathing, you're getting mud on you because you're in the flesh, okay? And so he said, so that's what it's like. It's just like you wearing those white pants and white shoes trying to navigate through mud. You can, you can trample through it. I'm going to do what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. Or you can gently walk through it, but either way, you're getting mud on you, and when you come back home, you got to get it all off before you get, go back inside. And so it's a good correlation about how to keep your spirit right with God. When you go out into the world, you're bringing light into a dark place, but then you've got to retreat and get back right with God again. Get back filled. When was the last time you asked the Lord to fill you with with his spirit? When was the last time you said, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you to influence me. I need you to fill me with your spirit so that I can walk not according to the flesh, but according to your spirit. Give me the power that I need to overcome and to walk through these things. That's what we've got to do on a daily basis. We've got to go out in the world and then retreat, get right with God, get ourselves filled with the spirit of God again, get our strength back again, and then go right back out into the world. It's just, and you see it modeled out from Jesus, right? You see it modeled out from Jesus. So in order to do this, and we're, we're going to get there, Peter says we've got to put on, or we've got to go in the mind of Christ. So the same mindset he had, we've got to have. Now, you see the mindset we're talking about? So everywhere we're going, we're not just, you know, oh, where's the closest party at? Let's go party. That's not the, the mindset was, I've got a mission. 
I've got to keep myself pure. I've got to keep myself pure, right? Because he had a mission. You've got a mission too. Your mission is to get home. This is not your home. Your mission is to get home. I don't know if you've ever heard it said like that, but your mission is, is to get home, okay? And this is not your home. So everything about this world wants to keep you here forever, burning in hell. But the Spirit of God on the inside of you wants to get you home. Amen? So that's the mission. It's to get home and to not allow anything or anyone or what they think about us or what we think about them, not allow any of that to detract us from the mission. That's the mind that we're looking for. Amen? That's the mindset. Okay. Now watch this. This is in verse 2. He's talking about um, a person that, that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So if, 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 if we're going to avoid these kind of revelings or parties or relax, take a break, take a load off kind of mentality, what you've got to understand is you're going to live one of two ways. You're either going to live to the lust of men or to the will of God, but you can't ride down the middle. Once again, you've got to choose one path or the other. The, the lust of men is what you think people think you should do. Lust of men, what you think people think you should do. People pleaser, that's right. Well, I'm young, I deserve it, I'm this, I'm that, or I'm older, I'm wiser, I can do this and it won't hurt me. It's, you cannot live according to the standards of the world. You're either gonna live to the lust of men or to the will of God, amen? God forbid that we choose to, to be people pleasers. Let's be God pleasers. Let's live to please God. God's the one that purchased me with his own blood. Amen. Why would I ever think that it, I should live to please other people? Now, if pleasing God, I can in turn please other people, that's fine. That's all fine and dandy. But my first priority is to please God. Think about Daniel. Think about Daniel. Daniel was cast in the what? Den of lions. He was pleasing God and not man. Amen? What about Joseph? Pleasing God, not man. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, pleasing God, not man. And so there's times when you've got to take a stand. Right? Okay. Now watch this. Verse number three. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. So people that do these kinds of revelings, they expect you to do it too. Wait till Mardi Gras season comes around. If you don't partake, they're going to think you're weird. Right? They're going to think you're weird. Um, but this kind of, and it's not just specific to Mardi Gras, it's the mentality of this partying 
carousing, relax, cut loose, take a load off at the bar mentality, okay? That's the, the behavior, going to the club, going to drinking, going to, you know, cutting loose, letting loose. I've worked hard this week. I need, it's time for me to blow some steam off. That kind of mentality is this reveling mentality. And it, 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 it summed up in this Mardi Gras spirit uh, that worships Bacchus. But he says, you know, they should think it's strange that you don't go with them. But you know what's strange now? It, like right now, most people have no second thoughts about going to clubs, bars, and Mardi Gras as believers. As believers. If you don't think that's so, people are having church in bars now. I'm not saying it's Christ's church, but they're having church in bars now. I mean, it, 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 so if you don't think it's so, just think again. But it, it should be just a standard thing that, you know, they know that the church should abstain from these things. But in our day and time, it's not so. It's not so. Few and far between. In fact, what I'm preaching to you tonight, what I'm preaching to you tonight, how many of you remember the last time you heard a sermon like this preached other than me? I'm not lifting me up, but when was the last time you heard about the drunkenness and the revelings and not doing this and not doing that? And I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm not, you know, just, I'm just getting through this verse. I'm trying to get through reveling. Next week, we're going to get into the fruit of the spirit. It's going to be a totally different, a totally different part of the study. Um, we're not going to be talking about what we shouldn't do. We're going to be talking about what we should do. Um, but we're just ending this part. But, you know, Few and far between are you going to hear this kind of stuff, and it's not because, you know, Gospel Lighthouse Church is all that. It's just because the state of the, the church today. It's, it's where the church is. If you don't think that's so, you know, you're good. You're highly favored, right? That was... Uh, I'm not gonna skip it. We'll save that for another time. All right. Um, turn in your Bible to. Um, let's go to First Corinthians chapter six, real quick. First Corinthians chapter six. We're gonna tie this down because next week I want to start the fruit of the spirit. How many of you can how many of y'all know the fruit of the spirit off the top of your head? Huh? Yeah. The song? <laughs> yeah, that's the song. <laughs> yeah. That's the kids song. And 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 the fruit of the spirit is so powerful. This is one of my favorite teachings. Um and I'm chomping at the bit to get into it. Is this is probably um one of my favorite teachings in the fruit of the spirit it, it is it will revolutionize the way that you walk with the lord it really will there is so much more to it than people comprehend or realize um but when we're talking about the works of the, now love joy peace again this is the outward manifestation of walking in the spirit the more you walk in the spirit the more you're going to love or have joy, or have peace. 
See, it's, it's, it's like the seeds planted when you're walking in the spirit, and then as it's harvested, there it comes. Well, this is the same way with the works of the flesh. You, you, you start drawing backwards from God, pulling back from God, being dishonest with God and with men. You start doing little things, it's going to reap a harvest. Eventually, you're going to need to blow off some steam at the bar or whatever it may be, right? And so that's what revelings is. Now, after revelings, it said, and such like, right? That means anything remotely like it, stay away from it, and such like. So give me some suggestions about what you think could be such like, all the things we've talked about. We, remember, we talked about adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, all that kind of stuff drunkenness, revelings, and such like, shall not, those that do these things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is the such like? What do you think the such like is? It's something. Huh? Rebellion? Yeah, I think rebellion would be in there for sure. Rebellion, it says in the Bible, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft is in there. So, yeah, I think rebellion would be right there. Biblically, you could nail that one down. It's a good one. What's America based on from the 50s on? James Dean. What was James Dean's biggest thing? Rebel. Rebel. What's America built on from the 50s forward? All the rock and roll generation, it's about rebelling against authority. Rebelling against authority. Now, we wonder why America's changed from the 50s onward. And yet, America has glorified rebelling. But the Bible says, see, you can't, you can't disassociate what's going on in your nation with the, what the Bible says. From the 50s on, you've got rebelling being glorified in our country. Even to this day, rebel against authority, you're going to get the thumbs up. Especially today, look at Antifa, all these kind of people. But the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So we wonder why America's in the place it is. Why did we glorify rebellion when we knew what the Bible said? We're reaping what we sowed as a nation. But you know, praise the Lord, we're not done yet. And I believe God's raising up a group of people, a generation to change it, a generation changer. I'm not content that the generation behind us grow up in a godless world. I'm not. We're standing on the shoulders of men and women of God tonight. You've seen or heard of moves of God before, but I'm ready to experience them. I don't want to hand them a, 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 a dead religion. And so I'm all about reform. Us, let's reform the church. Let's bring about a change. Let's see the church change and get back to the way it's supposed to be. Where we're, we're, the only thing that matters is God. Let's get back to the basics of the Bible and see God move in a generation again and change lives again. I want to see what we're seeing now. All right, but that was a good point, Sister Kim. You got me on a tangent there. So 
or a rabbit trail, as one of my pastors would say. You got me on a rabbit trail. But rebellion is a good example of and such like. So it's not included in the list that we've been studying, but it's, it is similar. It's rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. What's another one? Drugs, that's a very good, yeah, that's a very good one. Um, drugs is, is uh, I think that drugs are probably more common today than back then. How many, y'all think that? Yeah, more common today. Um, but what about drugs? What do you think it is about drugs that moves it into the camp of shouldn't be done? Mind altering? Changes your state, yeah. Body's a temple. Defiling the temple. Very good. Very good. Um, I think those are all excellent. Now here's another one. What, if, if, and, and, I, and I'm with you on this, and I get convicted about this thought too. But you think about defiling the temple, what about when we, what, what about other stuff we put in our bodies though? I mean, it's just, well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking because some, some, some religious folks will go down this road of caffeine, of coffee, coffee. You know, there was a time when coffee was looked at as a drug. Shouldn't drink coffee. It is almost like a drug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, same thing. And, and um, you can think about it in, in all these areas. Um, what about bluebell ice cream? You, you can overindulge in it. And some people, if they're having a horrible day, all I need is some bluebell, right? But when we're having a horrible day, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to crawl to the Lord. And so I would say anything that we're running to that's not God is probably like a drug to us because we get addicted. You know, you know um, it, all it takes is 21 days to break an addiction. 21 days. World standards. But with God, in a moment, in a moment, God can break it. In a moment. Well, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people say, well, smoking's not in the Bible. Well, you know, if you go on her definition of defiling the temple, it is because we know for a fact what it does to our lungs. We know for a fact, but I will say when, when I got saved, I wasn't convicted about it. In fact, I wanted to keep doing it and I did keep doing it, but then there was a time that God convicted me and once God convicted me, I was done with it. But I think that God was drawing me closer and closer, you know? It's like, it was almost like God wasn't going to have me drop everything all at one time. Maybe I wasn't strong enough yet. I don't know. But, but, I'm, but I completely agree that, you know, smoking, it defiles the temple. Because we know what it does to our bodies now. But I'm just going to, I'm just, you know, being <laughs> transparent that whenever I got saved and filled with the Spirit, I still wasn't ready to let loose of that. It, it was about, I, I would say it was about eight months later. About eight months later, I was, and I'll tell you how it was. Some of y'all know this anyways, 
But I got to the point where I love to worship God. Because before, I didn't know God. I, I listened to the world music. I did every. But then when I got saved, filled with the Spirit, I, love, I, I began loving to worship God, being in his presence, worship. And one day, it was after a few months, a few months after I got saved, I was worshiping God. I remember the song, I Can Only Imagine. I was just worshiping God. Well, I can only imagine what it'll be like, you know, when I'm in your presence, when I'm there before you, will I, you know, will I fall to my knees? Will I stand? I can only imagine what it's going to be like in your, in your presence. And then the song's over. I turn the radio station to country music and I light up my cigarette. And immediately the spirit of God said, why don't you do that while you're worshiping? And as soon as God did that, I knew I was living a double life in that regard. So I took them, littered, threw, out, threw them out the window. But I never, I never had to get a Nicorette gum or none of that kind of stuff. I never asked God to deliver me from it. But when God, you know, convicted me like that, I, I knew I had to make a choice in that moment. When God convicted me, there was, you know, there was a, a choice I had to make, and I chose God. And I never desired one ever again. Now, I can, it, it, you know, I can smell it from a mile away. I can, our work, the elevator at my work, I can get on, I can tell when somebody's been drinking or smoking. I can tell from a mile away. And I, I mean, people, would, people come to church on Sundays. I, I can smell stuff. I'm not dumb, you know? But, but I can smell that stuff. But, you know, I also know that, you know, there was a time that I came to church, and I probably smelled that way too. And God was graceful and long-suffering with me and brought me where I needed to come to. Amen? And I believe that's God's desire for all of us. It's a continual progression of getting closer to God. And not getting frustrated along the way. Just keep getting closer to God. God will sort those things out in due time. If you'll just keep drawing near to God, God will draw near to you. And the closer you get to him, the more those things will fall away. Wow. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And, and I think that, you know, the neat thing is, is, is like you see, he, he kept drawing near to God. He kept drawing near to God. And at the right time, God removed it. And you, you don't want to compare yourself to somebody else because we're all different. If you'll just keep pressing to God, keep pressing to God, at the right time, God will convict you of the right thing at the right time. I'll never forget. Um, the, the, um, and you've heard me tell this about uh, my friend who is in ministry today. I'm so proud of this guy. I love him so much. We're so different, but I love him so much. But when he got saved, he didn't know nothing about God. He didn't know nothing about God. And he said, he asked me, what, how am I supposed to live? And I said, well, I'm not your Holy Spirit. You ask the Lord how you're supposed to, what do you think? What do you think? Let's look at the Bible. You tell me what you think. He said, well, I know first off, God probably don't like me living with my girlfriend. I said, okay, what are we going to do about it? I'm going to move her out. I'm going to honor God. Go with that. And he, he, and the reason I'm pointing that out is this guy, if you would have looked at him that day, you would have seen a laundry list a mile long of things he needed to change in his life. But I didn't tell him he had to change them all. I just said, obey God in what God reveals to you. And God, and 
his whole life, even to this day, he takes it one step at a time, one act of obedience at a time. And if you'll live like that, one act of obedience at a time, there's no telling where God will take you. If you're willing to obey God in the little things, God will take you very far. But if you're not willing to obey God in the little things, God will wait on you. I believe that with all my heart. God will wait on you till you're ready to obey God. What about Jonah? You know, today, if it would have been today, we'd have been like, you know, God's convicting me about, you know, going over here and sharing my faith with my neighbor, but I just, you know, I'm just not ready. That I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I'm just going to keep. What happened to Jonah, though? <laughs> when, when Jonah was told to go do something and Jonah didn't do it, his world got turned upside down, right? But when he began to obey, what happened? Things changed. But it happened in his heart. If you, if you recall, when he was in the belly of the big fish, the change took place in his heart first. He said, okay, God, okay. And once he said okay to God and he began to obey in the little, the desire, then the rest of it just worked itself out. Amen? All right. Oh, we didn't read this. Let me read this and we'll close. How did y'all get me that off track? <laughs> and such like. We had witchcraft, drugs. Yeah, I'm sorry, rebellion, drugs. Somebody want to give another and such like before we get down on this list? Bluebell ice, Blue ice cream, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too much of a good. Yeah, it's when, it's when we're going to something that's not God. What one's called the flesh, exactly. yeah. pornography or Cussing. gluttony or yeah, alcohol or cigarettes, whatever it may be. Yeah, there's addictions. She's, what she's saying is because you're in the flesh, basically you're, you're susceptible of being addicted to something if you let your flesh go. Your flesh, in other words, your flesh will, go, will gravitate towards a particular sin. And so that's why we've got to make sure that we walk in the spirit, right? Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the what? Y'all preaching now. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's good stuff. Okay, let's, let's read this and then we're going to close out. Look at verse number nine. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. The reason I'm doing this this, this passage is the sister passage to, to, work, to Galatians 5. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. All right? Plainly spoken, right? And we talked about the kingdom of God over yonder. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's homosexuality, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, there's your revelings, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11 makes all the difference though. Verse 11 makes all the difference in the world. It says, and such were some of you. 
In other words, you've all been there, you've all done that, but you shouldn't be doing it anymore. And such were some of you. And by the power of God, you can, you can own the were. If you're in the are, you need to experience the power of God. But if you, it, you know, all of it should be moved into the, that's who we were. And that's who, everybody in here has a past. Everybody in here has got a past. And it's only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that you can be cleansed from your past, forgiven of your sins, and given a new spirit. Amen? So, and such were some of you, but you are washed. That's speaking of the cleansing, symbolic of baptism. If you've not been baptized, you need to be. Um, uh, you are washed. You are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So basically what that means is that, you know, everybody's got a past. It doesn't matter who you are. Your past might have been stealing a piece of bubble gum. It could have been robbing banks. But everybody's got a past, and as believers, we should be able to say, and you know, that's how we used to be. But if you're still stuck there, there's a problem. You need to go to the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive you, ask the Lord to cleanse you, and come back over on the, you know, on the blood-washed side again <laughs> and, and say, you know what, that's who I used to be. That's my past. This is my present. In the present, I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm not fulfilling the lust of the flesh anymore because the Bible says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen. So we're not talking about you're able to leap tall buildings and fly over, you know, things. That's not, you know, Christ in you giving you the strength is talking about you overcoming this stuff. You overcoming this stuff. That's the power of God in you. It gives you victory over this. It gives you victory over this stuff. I told you that was the last verse, but now I feel convicted to take you to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 to close. Chapter 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot, everybody say cannot, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. This cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There's got to be something on the inside of you that's not of this world. Amen. If you're going to inherit the kingdom of God, it's got to be the spirit of God dwelling inside you. This cannot go to heaven. Amen. The spirit of God inside you, that's, that's the only way you get to go to heaven. So this cannot go. When... Um, when Jesus, when, when he was resurrected from the dead, um, he had flesh and bone, not flesh and blood. It was redeemed flesh and no blood. So the Bible says we don't know what we're going to be like, but we know when we see him, we'll be like him. That's the resurrected body. Our bodies will be like his body. And so this flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's got to go through a change. And the only way you can go through a change is if you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Amen? In other words, 
born again. Born again. 